Welcome to the Fish Tea Podcast, where we talk about LGBTQ politics, pop culture, growing up in the Caribbean, life in the diaspora, and the work it takes us to sustain love, life, and laughter in the midst of all the white noise. I'm Glenroy. And I'm Kareem. We're giving you everything, honey. Get into this mug. We're serving you a hot cup of fish tea. Bottoms up. <laughs> no, out of fact, say, I totally did expect somebody to come in after I'm say, where I'm say, oh shit, I missed this proposal attack. Right, right. <laughs> Listen. I stop, I, you know, I stop. I I pull it right up, right up as soon as I say introduction. But as I say, oh wait, the rotating castle—it's stressful. Every time you have to figure out, all right, who we'll said what that time? Anywho, who? How you doing? I am good. I, so, like I was sharing before we started, this Easter has been the most sinful for me um in that um i definitely forgot that our lord and savior or at least my lord and savior was crucified um my brother introduced me to jada kingdom tricks apparently it's jada kingdom new song named tricks oh my god glenn right and i would mean a church all me i sing is boom boom me a tricks upon the body some some i don't know but listen to the song <laughs> the song of a boss <laughs> The song of a buzz. So Jada Kingdom, anyway, they big up yourself. Um, and then last night, say, never gonna give it a listen. You need to give it a listen, friend. I don't, I don't know. It just bring out something in me. I don't know if it's a skettle that I've suppressed so long. <laughs> um, but yeah, so for the whole weekend, I've been listening to that song, and then my brother put me onto some other song named Bunny and Clyde. I said, Jesus, wrong weekend. This one is supposed to be real somber and, you know, very reflective. And then Pantapai last night, I go out and I was with some friends. I was drinking and I was like, yeah, I just called the husband. I was like, um, kind sir, I will not be making it home. Expect me home tomorrow. Hence the group. The man is still in recovery. I'm going to put the partner partner. <laughs> Lord, weekend of reflection. You were out. Being the devil's spawn. Listen, demon time. No, sir. Man, you never told me that watch Montero or White. I said, ah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, big up, big up to the little Nas X for the song. Right. I <laughs> like the video. The visuals are amazing. Stunning visuals. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. In between, say, it was going to be a song for the hoes. As a whole, I don't feel like, I mean, I feel like I'm a song. Right? I mean, I feel like I can't jiggle up myself to the song. I have a personal problem with that. If I get to me say it's a song for the us, I'm supposed to hear the song and I shake. Just like shake and I shake and I shake. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, um, Tiny, do you know the song? <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> Listen, that's three songs now that y'all need to go check out because, whoo. No, I think, <laughs> I think Glenroy should do the honors of sending us the link. Because right, we might absolutely will. Will. We might be spelling and looking for it wrong. That's true. <laughs> um, but yeah, but it's a cute song. Cute. Love the video. And I love what the visuals represent. But maybe sure. it's more mobile. Um, as for myself. Yes, ma'am. Um, it's been a lovely, quiet um, Easter weekend. Um, I've been home, but I'm clean today. But I play my games today, and I watch some movies the day before. I take a nice, relaxing break, and then tomorrow, 
I can get some work done and prepare myself for the next week, you know. My mind, my business, my drink of water, you Hello. know, man. not stressful or nothing. And I vibe with, I just, it was still in the protective energy space. It's still like, we're still keeping it cute, right? And right. I remember going forward, we're not stressing out too much. The semester soon done. I'm just going to try to put them along to them <laughs> so that they feel prepared for the, for the exams. You know, the exams are being done differently. Mm-hmm. So basically that. Okay. So, not much. Um, but since Kenita already done talk already, yeah, <laughs> I'm one of them guests there. <laughs> um, so for this um, episode of the Fish Tea Podcast, um, we've in our intro, we, we like to talk about LGBTQ politics um, in, uh, and growing up in the Caribbean. But we oftentimes don't have people from other parts of the Caribbean outside of Jamaica. And so for this particular episode, we have two um, LGBT activists, um, one based, well, we can't even really say Kenita based in St. Lucia, but one based in the Eastern Caribbean. <laughs> <laughs> and the other... Because um, Kenita is based in all of the Caribbean and the other based in St. Kitts with us. So we have Kenita Placid from the Eastern Caribbean Alliance for Diversity and Equality here, as well as um, Tineta McCoy of St. Kitts. And Kenita never told me which you did to the organization, but I remember the name. I'm sorry. So Tineta, you can't remember the name of the organization. Um, we'll be talking about that. It's going to learn. What was that? Eskin Alliance. What kind of alliance? Thank you, it's a Nevis Alliance. Oh, Eskin. All right. We're not going to know. We're not going to know. Yeah, we're not going to know the the acronym, but yes. Eskin Alliance. Yeah, great. So, um, welcome to the podcast. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) <laughs> it's so good to have you guys. Um, I mean, I, I like to allow my guests to really tell us a bit about themselves um, before we dig all into your business and talk about the work and blah, blah, blah. We'd love to get you guys, like to know you guys as, as individuals first before we start tying you in as activists here, there and everywhere. So I don't know who wants to start. Can you that maybe you? I could always go first. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I'm Tanita Mokai. I'm actually a sports person. So I play football, cricket for the country as well. Nice. Other than that, I do act- activist work. Okay. Well, for me, let me see. I don't have many hobbies outside work. So, I mean, I... Yeah, I got into volunteering and activism very young from school days and enjoy a good debate. And, you know, I think that as an individual who was raised with four older sisters, there was always something to challenge. Um, And I think that being... It being in a space where you see some discrimination and nonsense happening, it's just impossible to not speak up. 
And so that has been me for a very long time. And, you know, this work is just like a continuum. And I could tell you honestly, from being involved in security jobs to customer service, activism is probably one of the things that have held me um, or kept me, um, kept my attention um, that I haven't left it. So I have been involved in it fully for um, give and take 14 years. Wow. Oh, we could best self. So he's a veteran in other business. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but before, before you be, so you gave us a little of um, how you started into activism, Kenita. Um, uh, Tanita, you want to kind of talk to us about how does a sports person end up in activism? Uh, to be honest, I don't even know, to be honest. But I think I was going through um, some personal life experience and I reached out to one of the organizations at the time. And I just probably just fall into actually doing the work for them as well. Oh, nice. Wait, so in terms of, I guess, because I had a colleague that we went to school up here. Her name is Annette Frank. Is she, does that name ring a bell? <laughs> yes, yes. Yes, you do, actually. Yes, uh -oh. yes, yes. I know, because I only asked him because I know she was trying to start um, an initiative called the St. Kitts and Nevis. Gay Straight Alliance for Progress or something of that. Yeah, yeah, of yeah. That sort. Okay. <laughs> you know what? Right. Right. So, um, before, so before EK became EK, you were at United and Strong Kenita. You want to talk to us about? But now, before we get to the work, let's talk about the situation. Um, in the in the different um countries. Uh. Yeah, what is it like for people who are not familiar with um, what's happening in the different parts of the Caribbean? What, what's it like? I guess you can talk about, I'm going to start with Tinita actually, because you can talk about St. Kitts and then Kenita can talk about everywhere because she belongs to everywhere. All right. <laughs> uh, but I mean, St. Kitts is like, uh, I would say it's over 50-50 right now. It's good and it still has bad to it. But currently, I mean, for individuals being a part of the LGBT community living here in St. Kitts, I would say for now, it's actually comfortable, to be honest. It's real comfortable right now. I mean, with the sense of, you know, there are rumors around that on the political scene, we actually do have members within the community as well. So I think for now, it's good. So you're good. Um, okay, that's great to hear. That's great because I feel like when people hear about the Caribbean, it, they they presume it's all bad. So that's really great to hear. Um, can you tell what? Talk to us about Saint Lucia first because that's where you hail from, and then talk to about talk to <laughs> about everywhere else that you hail from. <laughs> no, I think like to talk about the the current is to also talk about the past because it 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 affects and when we think about. When I think about why I got involved in this work, um, I actually got involved because as much as St. Kitts is probably half the size of Sinusha, Sinusha is probably um, one quarter the size of Jamaica, we can also see the history of violence that has taken the life of people that we consider to be friends. 
And so back in 2005, the first gay man was murdered, brutally murdered here in St. Lucia. Um, it's one of the things that actually had me to get involved in the organization. Um, wasn't sure how it was going to go or where it was going to move to. However, you know, just figured we needed to stand up not to lose more people. However, we have seen over nine deaths that has gone unsolved between 2009 and present. Um, so what is the landscape? What is the culture? What is the socialization that's happening? Whereas we can say more and more conversations are happening, which has allowed, uh, you know, people to feel a little more accepted and a little more tolerated. We have also seen the undertones of that. Um, that tells us it's not quite so because anytime there's a press release around something LGBT persons do, there's a press release about church talking about LGBT being an abomination. Um, and more often than not, the churches are really, really ready to action a press conference or press release after every LGBT um, press release rather than after every violence that has taken place in country. So they speak of more on LGBT issues than they speak uh, against the ills that happens with our children, our women, you know, gender-based violence, even youth on the block and the killings that are happening there. There's not much happening from the churches, but we definitely see it um, when it comes to LGBT persons or LGBT issues being brought to the forefront. And so this is not just the context for Sinusha. We have seen this rise in Dominica, St. Vincent, Antigua, you know, just where we, anywhere we speak about those arcade laws that were left behind from colonialism that needs to go, that actually discriminates within our constitutions, the churches are ready to rise. And so by that approach, you find that it has created a fear action within our society that people feel that taking on LGBT issues or being violent to people or um, stigmatizing or discriminating uh, against LGBT persons are actually giving them favor within the church or saving their lives because it's protect, it's avoiding an abomination where the church is concerned. It's avoiding an act that is considered to be illegal according to our constitution. And therefore they're in a safe space when they do it, feeling that there's no obligation or there's no, um, there's no response that's going to take this on to actually bring justice to the person who have been um, wrongly um, actioned. So it's, it's, it's a world that we could consider we have take strides in, but we still see that there is so much work left to be done. Um, so I'm hearing from both sides a lot of the challenges, but talk to me about, so Let's pretend I come to St. Lucia now as a queer person. Where do I go? Where, um, you probably can't say where I'm going to go. <laughs> but talk to me about some of that queer life and culture that exists either both in St. Lucia and in St. Kitts and the wider Eastern Caribbean. Well, to be 
quite honest with any of those countries that you have just called. They have very little gay life in those countries existing. Not a gay owned bar, not a club. The most you may find is uh, a bar that may be gay friendly that do karaoke or you know, before we actually, in St. Lucia, we actually used to have gay-owned bars. Um, in recent times, really? economical factors have decreased that. And I mean, we have had more than one through the years. What was the really hype thing to know was to actually know people in the community and know who was hosting parties because they used to have a lot of house parties. Mm-hmm. And that used to be like a there was a theme, there was a almost like a competition of who put in the best party on. Senusha was like rocking. Um, I remember my days going to secondary school and, you know, this is how far back I could talk about parties happening. But now it's almost <laughs> like more you have <laughs> created a conscious society and a more open society, um, you have found that the gay people come together less. They may have more so one or two cliques, but not really parties like before. Parties used to be like, bring a friend, tell a friend, you know, and it used to be like grand, but now it's like maybe one or two cliques still do some socializing together, but it's not like general. And, you know, I know this because I actually used to be one of the organizers of those parties back then. <laughs> what was that like? <laughs> I about that. You stop. <laughs> what was it like hosting parties back then? Oh, my God. It was like, listen, I had the most fun doing this. You know, this weekend is going to be black and white. This weekend is going to be shades of blue, red and white parties, skittles, you know, all kinds of you know, just bringing through the colors because you wanted people to come to a space where they can dance with each other, just be free, just be happy, just be content. And I think the difficulty of it is how people feel that they get um, outed, you know, come to a party and having fun and then somebody tells somebody that you were there and you didn't really want people to know that you were there um, or you haven't made that decision yet. Um, and so they have different factors that affected why the parties don't happen. It's also like back then, it used to be like, hey, guys, like we on this call and we're going to be talking to each other. It's like, let's have a party next weekend and you're going to invite five people. You're going to invite and tell these five people. And next thing you get a house of 100 people and your apartment is not really fitted for 100 people, but they're wow. there. <laughs> <laughs> this is what it felt like it, and you know back then you also had all these online digits that was allowing you to text people so we started actually having a database of numbers and party tonight bring a bottle party next weekend and like we can all sit in the room and just hear our phones go off our pages go off remember the days of pages <laughs> Or was that before your time, Glenroy? It was. was. (laughs) (laughs) So no, I don't remember the days of pagers. (laughs) No, but it was like really nice. And before pagers and before phones, it was making those little invitations and saying party tonight, 
this person invites you to their residence, it's a bring a bottle. And then those things kind of change because people were not bringing what they drink. It was not just bring a bottle, it was bring what you drink. And so instead of the arguments about I brought this bottle and I only had one drink, we then changed it. That's where Sidnusha changed um, their patterns to pay parties instead of, so the host has to provide all the drinks. So there's no argument about who brought what and didn't get their drink. And you can just have, and actually we used to have people across the Caribbean, including Jamaica, come to Sidnusha for party weekends. Really? Wow. I missed out. I definitely missed out. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, I'm thinking about like those underground parties and I've never been, I've been to a, quite a few when I was still living in Jamaica and I'm yet to find a space that is uh, as freeing and as liberating as like a Jamaican gay man. Like you come here and they still have like black owned clubs and that's cute and all. And you get to dance because you learn the music eventually. You could write, you know, you could shake a, a finger here or there. But like in Jamaica and a Cornell, Glenra um, and I talk about that. Like we talk about this on the podcast. Like those like uniquely Jamaican spaces or Caribbean spaces is where I always felt um, my most um, true self, I guess. Um, so I, I guess back to, the idea of like your advocacy and in those earlier years, if you could just kind of walk us through like what was going through your head um, when you decided to go into this kind of work. Uh, and I'm asking because like when I think about myself as an advocate, I probably would not have been as brave um, as I am now, as courageous as I am now to be as visible and out talking about these issues in Jamaica. And maybe if while I was there and I was like, I knew about Glenn Roar, but we weren't as close then. And so maybe if I was still there and I met him, then he probably would have ushered me in. But I think like, I'm <laughs> thinking about, um, I guess trying to get the experience for other uh, Caribbean spaces. I think it's kind of different. When I came out, um, I mean, too, I, I don't believe in coming out. I believe in just living life. But when I came, actually my first trip on activism was actually to Jamaica. My grandmother was ready to have a heart attack. And that was back in 2006, <laughs> because she's like, they're gonna kill you in Jamaica. And I was like, not yet, mom, I might kill them first. But it was a case where Jamaica was known to be homophobic. And I remember coming to Jamaica and meeting with Robert Carr, you know, a pillar in this community as a great activist. Um, and back then, JFLAG was being run by um, Gareth Henry, you know, um, and I met Colin Williams Clark, who was running the women, the women for women group then. And so there was so much happening in Jamaica that not much was happening in the rest of the islands, but yet Jamaica was called the most homophobic. So if Jamaica is so homophobic and so much can be happening, why other countries don't have, you know? But I have to admit for the Eastern Caribbean, we really have to give thanks to someone that is not even spoken about that much. Um, there was a group called Yugalam in Barbados and one of the officers there was Didi Winston, um, a, a, a transgender person. And she, um, through one of their projects, actually came to St. Lucia having this meeting 
Um, and that's after the organizations were already trying to get their feet. Um, so when United and Strong started in Sinusha, I was not in the forefront because United and Strong, Grand, um, Grand Chap, Dom Chap, Vinci Chap, um, there was uh, St. Kitts and Nevis AIDS group. All of these groups started around the same time as chapters um, dealing with MSMs um, and HIV education. You know, they were the Caribbean HIV AIDS in partnership subgroups in the region. And Didi came and they had this workshop speaking about, you know, moving things along. And it took me a while. For me, I was like, I'm not getting involved with the organization. I'm just going to be like, we need to bring people together. So back then, my thing was about hosting parties, having drinking fets. So my house was known as the right place bar because it always had alcohol. <laughs> and I have to admit, I have not strayed away very <laughs> because it is still happening. I'm not oh, a drinker. I raised a grandmother who used alcohol quite a bit. So for me, I'm pretty reserved on the alcohol, but right. I always seem to have it to entertain people. Um, well, glad you answers your questions on where to go when you go to St. Lucia. <laughs> what? <laughs> Well, when, when you and Glenroy come in, we're going to make sure that we send out a little memo and say, guess what, guys? We have, we'll call it sip and chat so they don't expect big boom, boom, boom. And then you turn on the computer with the, and you have people queuing up music and the drinks come rolling. Listen. And then if people get too hungry, you order pizza. I'm here for it. <laughs> I, I would love to hear the same. So same question for you, um, Tanita. Um, what, what was it like you kind of getting into advocacy? What was your motivation? Well, for me, it was a bit different. Long way different, actually. I ain't had those kind of popular life. I was just more... <laughs> for me, <laughs> it was just more on the, on the side of actually helping to build awareness for HIV and AIDS within the community, actually. And then um, over the past couple of years, you know, the movement moved to other, moved from Sinkets. So it left a big gap. And then you had members used to reach out and be like, hey, we need to do this. We need to do that. So as a small group, you know, as Kenita would say, but we never had no home party and them things, you know. We used to just group up and they say, hey, we let me at this bar tonight. And we just had fun. And then eventually, you know, we decided as a group that, you know, we need to build, build like an organization around ourselves. So it just happened. I mean, if I was to look back about five, six years ago, I would have never thought I would be in this position like today, to be honest. Because, I mean, for me, I was a shy person, still a shy person. I just wanted to play, play sports and basically capture females that I could have captured around the world, to be honest. That was my, <laughs> that was my thought of things, to be honest. <laughs> and I mean, the first time I actually traveled within a space for this kind of work was, I think was Suriname. Not sure. I think it was Suriname. It was the first time when I was actually 18. And I mean, I remember when I was on the airport, like I had like a group of females approaching me and then and I swear to God at that point I was like hey this is not my life like I need to run away to be honest 
But I mean, being at that, being at that workshop, I think it was a woman conference. It was like, I actually learn a lot and I get open up to a lot of different aspects. And I realize that, Hey, this is something that I will love to do for my country and help other people. So I just basically continue to go into it. Never really had that popular party life and what's not. And I think I had that kind of attention where people look up to me because I was a, a sports person as well. So I was a well-known person within the country. So it was easy to basically transform and do the work for people within the community in St. Kitts. Nice. So I wanted to ask, um, as a, um, both of you, as a smaller um, territory, do you think, what 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 are the benefits as well as some of the challenges that come with advocating in smaller spaces? Um, some of the benefits are, I think you know everybody, and everybody know you, so it's easier to basically build a relationship and build trust within individuals. Um, some of the disadvantage are again too, um, because it's so small, you know, you find that. A lot of these individuals still want to be in a shell because, hey, this person might know me if I show up at this place or whatever like that. So it's kind of difficult, basically, getting individual out into an open space as a group. Like they rather go on their own, you know, and just see and hey, I'm by. So um, I think for seeing it, that would just be it. And then again, because we're small, so you find it's kind of hard to get a, a, a strong group a strong voice to actually uh, share the message that you want to share at times. Kenita, you mentioned, uh, sorry if you had a question, Karim. You mentioned that um, you noticed that, you know, it's not what it used to be. The parties aren't what they used to be. And I'm wondering, do you think it's, it's because, you know, things have progressed to a point where, there is a certain level of acceptance and so people don't need the, the, the LGBT-specific spaces anymore? Is it that the community is going out to the mainstream parties more and being themselves? What, what do you think is the reason for the shift? I think there's a dual. Um, so the Caribbean every year loses a number of human resources to Global North, where persons believe that they can actually be themselves. Um, sometimes perceived, sometimes actual um, reality of what being self is. Because, you know, I say it in that way because we still have a, lot, a number of people who are being themselves in one context and not in the other. Because especially within the U.S. and Canada, we're still so connected to back home that people are still in a lot of situations hiding who they really are from family. And so that means still not being yourself, but feeling that at least there's access to services and to clubs and to stuff where you can break out and then go back to your shell and be at home, um, which is different than the Caribbean, Caribbean context where whether you're in the club, whether you, you know, wherever you are, somebody could tell your sister or your mother or somebody that you were there, even if you don't want them to know, you know, so that's kind of different. Um, and I think that some of our context, when we look at it, we have lost a lot of individuals within our networks, within our communities to global, to global North. 
Um, and I think that's one of the things that started breaking down some of the socials that were happening. Secondly, we also have a group of young people who have challenged the organizations, challenge us each year to step up and to be better at what we do because as they step up, we have to step up to protect them. You know, we have to shout a bit more. We have to bring out the issues a bit more because they are basically coming out, living their life, not trying to hide. They are there, they are out. And, you know, some of the discrimination come cruel and direct. And so it requires us to step out. So where are things actually on socials? One is how do we now host a social now without especially with most of our gay people actually renting without being put out by your landlord. Um, how do you do so um, carefully without it getting back to your workplace or you feeling that you have been outed? So before they used to have like a code of discretion. And I feel like now people just want people, if I'm, if I'm open and I'm out, I expect everybody I engage with to be open and out. Um, without realizing different people's situations are different. Um, and I think that's some of the things that has cut it because there are not many social events being put on by people before, like before. So before, at least I would say there were six, seven organizers. If this person is not having a party, this person is having one. For me, I actually come down on social activities because... I started integrating it into the organization. So instead of Kenita hosting a party, the first year, I think it was Kenita and United and Strong to get the, the name as a home, you know, a home name. Um, and then it was United and Strong hosting parties um, compared. And then the work got heavy in terms of delivering research, delivering, um, you know, all the programs and, I think social activities took more of a back step where it was not forefront for me, but, but trying to create committees to continue that kind of work. And then it just got all mixed up. And so I, I can safely say that I recall the last activity United and Strong had was probably a boat ride, which is also a big thing. You know, um, the flag flies high on that boat when we're out on the seas and people are, you know, you have three, four hours of music and, 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 and drinks and food on the water. Um, that too is amazing. But I think what they do not have is persons who can actually invest that kind of capital, especially today, um, in those kind of social activities without knowing whether they will make it back or not, especially you know, around your bills and stuff. So again, I think they, they, when we look at it, we can look at a couple stoppers, even before the pandemic, we looked at the issue of employment that was already a struggle point for a lot of LGBT persons because getting jobs in mainstream, um, mainstream markets pretty much had to require them to hide who they were um, and not necessarily happening the way. We also have a certain level of dropouts um, of LGBT persons from school, which means that the opportunities you're looking for may not necessarily be what you'd like. 
um, based on your educational level, and that had to be taken into consideration. Um, and then you also look at family structures and churches and how that also affects individuals actually being able to access or being able to do what they need to do. So we already had those issues affecting what was happening, when it was happening, um, and migration being one, a lot of the main party goers or, or organizers were gone. And so it's like a new generation to take on. Um, and then I think the last part was COVID coming into play. And it's like, let's just kill everything right now, you know? So there you go. I would love to hear the difference for Tineta because you said um, that, um, uh, Tineta, that, you know, it wasn't, let's have a big party. It's, we're all lining together here. And has that changed? Um, no, it hasn't changed. But then as, you know, time go by, you know, as Kenita will mention that, you know, you have some individuals because I'm out, you should be out. So there's always a conflict between individuals. So you find that instead of all of us planning to, to go one spot to line, you find that we have all kind of different groups now. I mean, it's still happening, but it's more like a different group, divided groups, everybody in their own group going out to line. But I mean, here in St. Kitts, you get a group of friends and you can go to line. Nobody going to do you nothing. The most that would happen is, you know, some verbal conversation or somebody might say something, but that's all I do here, to be honest. Talk for now. But then again, St. Kitts is like 40,000 people and yeah, we are small. like 12,000. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad I didn't say because if needed to say, it would not be a problem. <laughs> <laughs> I want to talk. Uh, I'm, about, always, like, I'm always troubling Tainetta about this uh, size of the population. That's okay. We're fine, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, it works for them. <laughs> um, in terms of your work and I guess creating strategic partnerships, whether it's with government or private corporations, what what has that um, been like for uh, both of you in in your work? Well, um, for me. It's a, it's a give and take situation. I mean, in certain aspect, like if, it, if you're talking about the HIV aspect or your health aspect, the collaboration with governments and other individuals are, are great. Um, with the exception of different um, focus group, like probably the disability or the women's group. So we work very well together. But when it comes to the government aspect, they are there for HIV, they are there for health. When they actually come about the LGBT rights and I everything think like that, we just got a pause. Is it all most of them like basically gone missing in action? Um, and and has that and it's been that way since you've been doing this kind of work? Has it improved in any way? Or um, well, lately it has been improving. So we have been involved in more conversation with the government, but again, it's just about policies, policies. So no actual real conversation around information. The only other thing is that um, with the news around that, you know, there's a possible challenge in law and everything like that. Um, to have a conversation with the government about that hasn't happened yet. But what happened is that we created press release and, you know, the, the media house has already challenging government to these questions. So, I mean, hearing some of them responses very on a positive note than more of a negative note. 
But to have an actual conversation with the government around those stuff, it's kind of difficult. I mean, I'd love to hear from uh, Kenita's standpoint, like in terms of creating strategic partnerships and what that has been like for your organizations, for the work that you're looking to engage in. Actually, a lot of the work we have spoken about is back in the days with United and Straw. Um, and one of the strategic partnerships that we had then was uh, with the AIDS Action Foundation as shadowed under them. Um, until the constitution reform in 2009. And so many persons around the world and in Sydney believe I started United Strong. Actually, I didn't. I think when I took it over in 2006, we did a lot of work on the ground and but had been going to different regional meetings already. Um, strategically, I think we got a lot of encouragement and support from JFLAG there and CVC um, and the other strategic alliances actually was with organizations, with international organizations, because we recognize that, you know, civil society support in country um, to move um, or to do the work that we actually needed to do. And even with government, I think the only government department that actually looked to work with us was the National AIDS Program under the Ministry of Health, again, dealing with combating and um, giving information around HIV AIDS. Um, Caribbean Forum for Lesbian and others, which is the Caribbean Liberation Party. So when we think about it, we think about, you know, being the Eastern Caribbean hub for carry flags, um, which was for two years under a U.S. funded project. Um, and then being able to, to, at the end of that project, asking people in the Eastern Caribbean, what do they want to happen? How do they want things to go through? And so this is where the Eastern Caribbean Alliance for Diversity and Equality was then formalized to continue unifying and as well as bringing funding to this region. But when we thought about funding, we also thought about how do we strengthen the structures that exist within small organizations. So St. Kitts Nevis Alliance is actually one of our truly powerful stories from a non-existent entity in the last five to six years to one that is considered to be one of the most brilliant in the Eastern Caribbean. And so let me just say thank you to Tainetta for taking on the challenge of actually leading an organization. Um, and again, we look at how many persons in the region are leading organizations without necessarily actually setting out to or without actually having the skills to but they build it as they go along. And that's what a lot of us have done. Um, and so strategically, international NGOs, um, regional NGOs, uh, when we look at CVC, JFLAG, JFLAG has always been one setting the example in the region um, of things that can be done. And how do you collaborate and make those things marry even further? Um, and I think one of the things that was good for us was 2013, hosting the first Caribbean um, Women and Diversity Conference, um, Caribbean Women 
and sexual diversity and having one of their leads in Jamaica actually attend this meeting, um, which then came back to other things happening on the ground in Jamaica and forming WeChange. Um, we have seen petals grow. We have seen swag in Guyana. So there are a few groups that have come up. But before that, the only group that existed before was Women's Way, which was in Suriname. And so it's good to see other women's groups. There is so much that is happening in the context of work and in the context of um, strategic alliances and engagements because strategically it came across funding. Strategically, it came across communities and they believe in you to take things forward. It also came across in how you work with other civil society organizations where you don't necessarily feel that you're competing, but you're actually collaborating, working together, or even supporting um, without they having this back and forth of who is taking the lead. Um, and I think lastly, strategically, my position have also given us an up in being able to have that bridge between mainstream women organizations in the Caribbean and that of um, the LGBT groups. Okay. Um, for my last question, and this has been such an edifying um, conversation. Also, just to say, big up to the regional partnership them. I think we've all been better for it in different ways. Um, and we all learn from each other in different ways. And I love seeing um, whenever we get into different spaces, hearing the different stories and how we can like grow um, um, with each other and see what else can be done. Um, so big up the region. And when COVID gone, more sooner again, and then something else, so we can still attack and key. Yeah, you. But that aside, I would, what does... Yeah, no, I, we have been... We have been challenged by to ensure that we bring a few persons from Jamaica to the Eastern Caribbean to do some cross-training. <laughs> well, okay, we'll see how that works. I was, you know, I, I don't mind. I've, I've been meaning to come to St. Lucia. We can't try some of the liquor. <laughs> um, but yeah, what does, um, you know, when we do advocacy, we work to put ourselves out of a job. So my question is, um, what does that the only reason? Oh my God! What does success look like for you, uh, for both of you, in terms of the work that you do? I'm going to start with Tineta. All right. Well, for me, what does it look like at this point? For me, it looks very reachable. But again, it got, well, me personally, along with my team, we just have to stay committed to what we we set our goal, we set our mind to achieve. Uh, with the support from all the regional hubs and everybody, I think is really achievable. As I said, again, we just need to keep in mind and the target and keep working and stick together as one. And I think sometimes we allow our position and our work to get into our head. So we just have to try our best to not think about self more so, but think about the actual community to achieve to achieve our success that we have laying out. But I think it's rather reachable and we're on the right path to get to that point. I think success looks like a day when I would have to think about what is the role of Ikid anymore? Because 
what we are currently founded on is no longer relevant. Um, that means that our people are now living in countries that understand and accept them as full citizens without having to shout out, please accept me in the constitution. Um, it would, but it would be actually re reflective. I think also a success of this is just seeing more on so a community that is vibrant um, and continue to grow regard regardless of the odds. And one of the things that we have seen already is and has been so, you know, is that we actually have create home in countries that don't, is where we were born and this is where we are, this is where we are grounded. We make realities of safe spaces for ourselves. And whenever so often we make space, um, safe spaces for others. Um, and as an activist, I look forward to forever creating spaces that allow other activists to step forward and build on what has been done already. I don't think I'll truly see the full success of the activism that we do, but we can certainly leave a strong enough foundation behind to allow others coming up to build further. And what's the say after that? That's a thing. <laughs> Thank you so much to Kenita and Tainetta for coming and sharing with the, um, their experiences with us. Um, this is the first in our Caribbean tour. So by the way, Kenita is, my, is the Fishti official liaison for the rest of the Caribbean. That <laughs> <laughs> so whenever I want someone from a different set of experiences, she's gonna come and she's going to come and she's gonna say, all right, this is the person that you can get her. So, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Um, <laughs> um, and I'm glad we started with not like the Trinidad or the, uh, um, or Barbados because they're the more, you know, quote unquote, well-known islands. And I wanted to start with those islands that, as I said, that don't get as much central discussion within the conversation, within our own Jamaican context. Because, um, you know, other people know what happened in different spaces, what is happening in, like I said, Lucia, and United and Strong has been a leader in the region for LGBT advocacy for quite some time now. So thank you so much um, again. Um, listeners, we hope you learned the fish tea. This was not just fish tea. This was fish tea plus some regional food. I mean, I really know. Right. <laughs> here. <laughs> I think fish tea have actually made itself around the Caribbean now, so it's totally fine to say. <laughs> okay. All right. I see it serve in many places. Tiny, is it fish tea in Senkit? <laughs> I don't think so, eh? but I have to go and check now. <laughs> All right, so well, check it out. They might, call it a, they might call it a different name, but I do think there is fish tea. Uh, right. I'll check it though. I'll check it though. <laughs> <laughs> right. So thank you so much, listeners. We hope you, you benefited. As usual, if you have feedback, you can reach out to us on our socials. That is Facebook, Twitter, and on Instagram. That's at HD Podcast. Also, if you want to give us your feedback via email, it's Podcast at gmail.com. And as I always say, remember, we're still in a pandemic, mask up, social distance, get the joke as soon as you can, because we're ready for rush outside, wipe it off before you put your name out, and stay sophisticated. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>